Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on August 17th, 2012. For newcomers, I advise you to go in and make use of CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website. There's lots to download there, lots to work through, because that's really how you learn everything. You work through it. It's not just a matter of taking in information. You have to relate to the information and, uh, and really relate to it, that is, to understand the big picture of the system that you're born into because uh, you're supposed to use your own mind and your own experiences and relate them to the experiences you see written for you by others that lived sometimes a long time ago, sometimes contemporaries of your own, and, and find out what you really think about things and know about things. Knowing is harder, of course, because we live in such a complex system of disinformation and managed media and spin artists that it's hard to get to the truth of anything. That's how power works. They all work through propaganda, public relations, and it's hard to ever get to the real truth of what's happening, why things are happening, and, and where it's all supposed to be going. So help yourself to the audios. Remember, too, you're the audience that bring me to you. You can keep me going by buying the books and discs at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. And from the U.S. to Canada, remember, you can use personal checks or international postal money orders. You can also use personal checks, uh, personal checks, um, um, PayPal, I should say, and uh, cash. Across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal, and straight donations are really, really welcome. And as I said, what I do here is to try and relate the past to the present, to show you that the art of chronology, and that's what it is, power runs through chronology, a whole bunch of priests at the top called advisors and specialists in different areas. They've got behaviorists on board now, big-time armies of them in every government, and neuroscientists uh, using uh, basic um, language to obfuscate what they're really up to and at the same time to try and calm you. You're trained from birth just to accept what you're told uh, and be calm, don't worry about things. The big boys upstairs are taking care of things for you. And of course that's to the detriment of the people down below because down through history governments have always turned and plundered their own people and often killed lots of them too. So the reality of the world is not a Disneyland uh, and, of course, those people who have been brought up with Disney really think it is. A lot of them really do. And they really tune in faithfully every night to listen to the mainstream news. And they have no idea that anybody should lie to them or could be lying to them. And they would think that when you bring certain things out of the closet to show them, uh, that, that it's preposterous because somebody in the mainstream media would surely have told them it was this way. They really are in Disneyland. And this is all by design. I've gone through the histories of the big players in the past, the ones who've come up with their own books and published and how it's done. And from Bernays and even before Bernays too, 
There were books put out on how to control mass populations, how to put their thoughts into their heads, give them belief systems, alter their belief systems, change the culture, get them on board for wars, uh, all of these kind of things. These are all parts of the art of, of managing uh, masses of people, and it's a very ancient art indeed. And the, the first part of it is, of course, is never to tell the people the truth on anything. Uh, Francis Bacon said the same thing on a, a kind of resume he wrote up for the king at the time. They did that, lots of resumes, and uh, to show them how smart and clever they were. And he said it's best the public never really know the machinations of power and what the intentions are. And that's where we still are today. I've gone through the histories of the big uh, internationalists, the world bankers, who back in the 30s and 20s got together and did studies, their own poll studies, to find out how, how many Newspapers that have to own to influence uh, the whole of the United States, for instance. 30 was all they needed to do, and then that would standardize all opinion. Now it's worldwide. Standardized opinion worldwide. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, and this world really is managed, it's managed very well globally, and it has been for an awful long time, including the major wars uh, that people have lived through, and uh, their parents did, and grandparents have lived through. They're all planned long, long in advance. I can remember during the end of the Vietnam War, and the the newspapers were talking then at the time about uh, an interview, a major interview being done with some top CIA official who said that, uh, why are you talking about Vietnam? We've already got others planned. Uh, literally over the space of 30 years in advance, what they would do in geopolitics, etc., across the planet. And that's what you live through. And to the average person, you're not supposed to think that way. You're supposed to think that things happen spontaneously and we react to it and we go to war with people. And, of course, that's where the whole thing happened with 9-11. And then, of course, all the data came out that they already had troops to go into Afghanistan, for instance, before 9-11 happened and things like that, big things. So nothing's spontaneous in this world. This doesn't happen that way at all. And that doesn't just go for one area of, for instance, war. That also goes for all social changes within society, too. And there's lots of them that are happening right now and planned as well as we go through what they call the Great Transition. And these are all uh, through the United Nations. Uh, treaties have been signed with working uh, tools attached to them, the toolkits they call it, for people who live in local areas, how to get, graft yourself onto town councils, how to bring ecology up to the top and um, how to how to green everything and how to to alter society is this so-called decentralize it, meaning that the government takes all the usual cash, but and, and taxes and spends on other things. But now you have to take care of your own community uh, through volunteerism and things like that. It's a form of collectivism, a type of socialism or even communism at the bottom level, uh, and full of these appointed self-appointed czars. Britain's going through that right now. Other c- countries are to follow. Australia is getting pushed in. Now direction and they'll soon learn how it works very very quickly and that's to be the the, the model Britain that is for the whole world 
Britain's always a model for the world because the guys who got together in the 1800s and the early 1900s and formed the big institutions that run the world and all of the media today, like the Royal Institute for International Affairs, Council for Foreign Relations, decided that Britain and the empire would be the model they'd build on for the whole world empire using a front called democracy because those at the top don't believe in democracy at all, but they use it all the time. But you'll find, as I say, we're constantly changing, and um, it's planned change. Part of it was to do with free trade, which they came out with even uh, back in the days of John Dee, who coined the term the British Empire. He, He talked about free trade as well, how Britain would lead this system where they would trade countries who, who, with countries that would um, adopt the British system of government, meaning you'd be under the British system of government, basically. And you'd block countries from trading that wouldn't, tra- that wouldn't join you. You'd just simply block them, embargo them. And we're still embargoing countries today that won't go along with it. So nothing really changes. All plans work, and we're going through the big changes. Now, countries like Britain, with its massive immigration policy for 30, 40 years, uh, has really changed the whole face of Britain. And remember, too, I've read the articles from mainstream where Tony Blair and his the assistant prime minister uh, came out and he, the assistant prime minister said that Tony opened the doors to, to um, uh, massive immigration because he says he must destroy what was left of the British culture forever until there wasn't a trace of it. And that's pretty well happened. And so that's to happen across the world in this great big um, conglomerate owned by those at the top. And they want the free trade, uh, free movement of labor and goods across all borders. And all the borders are eventually to disappear anyway. Now, it's comical to read some of the articles looking back from the past to the present. And this article sums it up right here. It says, young conservative, this Tory in Britain, members of parliament blame lazy baby boomers for Britain's economic decline. And it says, a rising group of young conservative members of parliament claim that idle British workers are damaging the economy by failing to compete with grafting Asian countries. It says, so it says, the five who are all 40, this is a big PR thing, obviously, for their book, or younger, and entered Parliament at least at the last election, are published a new book in which they say that lazy Brits prefer a lion in your bed, I guess, to working hard. Judy published on the eve of the Conservative Party election. The book's called Brit- Britannia Unchained, Global Growth and Prosperity. Also criticizes the baby boomer generation for seeking to raise taxes for young workers to pay for their lavish pension pots. Now, they don't get lavish pension pots in Britain. And uh, believe you me, the money's been put in through their pensions all those years, was invested and reinvested over and over and over again, and the banks made billions of them. But it says, now here's the names of the British ones. Quasi Quarteng, that's very British, eh? Uh, Pretty Patel and Dominic Rabb and Chris Skidmore and Elizabeth Truss are all seen as rising stars on the right of the party, uh, describe the British workers as amongst the worst idlers in the world, and urge David Cameron to reform workplaces along the lines of Asian rather than the European model. And it says, I say, too many people in Britain, we argue, prefer a lion to work. Britain will never be as big as China or Brazil, but we can look forward to a new generation ready to get to work. 
And if we could take advantage of these opportunities, we must get on the side of the responsible, hardworking and the brave and must stop bailing out the reckless, avoiding all risks and rewarding laziness. Now, this is, a, you know, this, is a, this is all nonsense, obviously, but these guys are globalists. And that's the whole point of it. Actually, seen an article, we're in a global economy and so on and so on and so on. But isn't it amazing that you're born into this system, remember, uh, pre-existing, and it's not natural. I mean, natural systems where people work in so-called primitive tribes, a maximum of four hours per day, you see, just getting what they need to live on. That's all they have that need to do. We must overproduce for, and compete with other countries because we're living in this crazy system that was set up an awful long time ago, along with those who control the money. And we're still doing it today. So we're taught to believe that's our purpose. And if you study economics, that's what they'll tell you your purpose is is to simply earn cash and produce and pay taxes. That, that's your purpose. And that literally decides everything in life, all the laws, everything revolve around economics in your system, right down to how much um, you've robbed the society of being tax-wise if you kill someone, depending on their status, you see. That will, de- 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 that will de- actually um, give you your, your so much time in prison, or none at all, for that matter, in some countries. So we never get a chance to see what life's all about or what, what it should be about. Uh, it's all done for you. And they get these characters who are always stinking rich little children from stinking rich parents to come out and give you this kind of nonsense again where they want you to compete with Asia and all the rest of it. Compete? Well, why should you be competing with anybody? I mean, why should you be? Especially when your own country is signed through the World Trade Organization that you'd bring all this cheap stuff in from all those countries and put everybody else out of work. They know all this stuff. They know all this stuff. But this is kind of rubbish they put out in mainstream. And a lot of folk will fall into it and get into their party stuff. Well, I think they're right. And other ones say, oh, no, that's terrible. They're all wrong. And, and you, you get caught up in the predetermined argument which they hand to you in a plate. And people don't think for themselves. They, they get into emotional uh, tirades, and that's the end of it. But believe you me, some of these characters that have moved into Britain are, are the sons and daughters of multi-billionaires from other countries where they have used slave labor rather openly too. And they like to do the same thing in, in Britain and elsewhere. And people should keep that in mind as well. And you also get, I always see it as comical, and people take it very seriously, but I see it as comical. It says that um, uh, Nikolai uh, Alexeyev, in, uh, who's in Russia, apparently he's homosexual and he wants to get the gay pride thing going. He's been to the EU to demand that they do something about it and force Russia to go ahead and, and give them these gay pride parades. And so it says the top, must have top court has upheld a ban on gay pride marches in the Russian capital because the guy asked to see that they actually pass a law to allow them to have these parades for a hundred years. So Russia banned them for the next hundred years from having a parade. And it doesn't say it here, but the reason was, you see, when Russia was Soviet and they had all their pals in Hollywood and they did have pals in Hollywood, lots of pals. Uh, they're bringing down the culture in the West. And they always said that the America and other countries would fall from within. Uh, and uh, the, well, that really has happened. Their cultures would implode uh, through to decadence, they called it. So they remember that. So they don't want it there. 
And it should be amazed to me too that, of course, even during the Cold War, Russia wouldn't allow any stuff uh, like that over in their countries because they knew that the plan they were using on the West was working and they didn't want it to happen in Russia either. But at least people there have some memories and uh, they're showing it in the way that they come up with their laws. And this article here is pretty good. It's from the Sovereign Independent UK. And it's to do with um, the human papilloma virus and to do with, of course, Gardasil. And they've had so many deaths from Gardasil, which they keep trying to sweep under the carpet because it's a big, big agenda, big money involved, of course, for Big Pharma. And because they've created such a, an awfully... Um, Permissive society, put it that way. And it's been encouraged from the top down for many years. Uh, because that was part of the agenda too, to abolish marriage, just to have lots and lots of mates or friends. And um, they've done it all, you see. But they also have the side effects of it. And they're passing on venereal warts, they call them, to each other. And uh, lots and lots of people out there have it. Well over about 60%, probably 70% of them have that in the studies that they've done. And um, so they're always trying to find ways to counter the side effects of promoting a promiscuous society. And as I say, this, uh, this, this attempt to put out Gardasil here and, and stop uh, the, 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 this virus from spreading hasn't been that successful because um, it only covers three types and there's, there's about 80 odd different varieties of them. And even the ones who discovered it said it probably won't work. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're back cutting through the matrix talking about the human papilloma virus and their attempts to eradicate it, even though, as I say, uh, the person, there was an interview a long time ago with the person who worked on the team that came up with the, 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 basically the inoculation against it and they said it probably wouldn't work or do anything at all. And even the ones they targeted were only about three out of many. So, but they thought it actually wouldn't work. However, it didn't stop it all going ahead because lobbyists really are the guys who are always at government and get the big voice. And, and they get their vaccinations through. But this is from, uh, as I say, an article from Sovereign Independent that goes through what happened. There's been deaths. And uh, this is a, a study by Sin Hang Lee, MD. He's got a long uh, bunch of credentials here to do with his specialities in virology, etc. And he did an interview on one of the deaths he'd really looked into in, I think, New Zealand, perhaps. And he said that, um, he says, there are multiple potential problems with discovering the HPV-16L1 DNA in Jasmine's samples. Jasmine, I think, was the, the victim. And they found DNA in it, DNA particles, very small particles throughout our bloodstream. Now, the whole thing is, uh, warts, for instance, are supposed to stick to epithelial tissue and they don't go into your bloodstream at all. So if you get the, it's a big problem. Uh, but the problem is that these vaccines are taking it into the bloodstream. He says, we must emphasize what was discovered in the Gardasil vaccine in Jasmine's samples. What they are are viral DNA fragments, not the infective wild viruses. In other words, they can tell as synthetic viruses. They are real viruses, but they're made in the lab. You see, that's what they're injecting into you. 
It says, first, HPV infection is confined to the epithelial. It says, this virus does not survive in the blood or in any other organs of a healthy woman. Uh, any naked APV DNA fragments in the circulating blood would be degraded by serum or intracellular DNA nucleases or enzymes if these fragments are taken up by the macrophages, which basically destroy, is meant to destroy anything abnormal within the bloodstream. And then the body would eliminate it. And so since the HPV-16 one gene DNA fragments were discovered six months after Jasmine's last Gardasil vaccination, we have to assume these HPV DNA fragments were either protected by being firmly bound to the uh, aluminum adjuvant or by integrating themselves into the human genome through poorly understood mechanisms. And it says... Jasmine's parents uh, made contact with us after the discovery of genetically engineered HPV DNA in Gardasil through an associate we, they work with in New Zealand. This is how they got in touch with the guy. And uh, so what they've found, as I say, are DNA fragments which are found in the actual vials themselves that inject into you. Uh, they found that stuff in the bloodstreams of victims. And as I say, normal HPV doesn't get into your bloodstream at all but the synthetic ones do. And this seems to be causing the problems, the strokes and the deaths and all the rest of it. And uh, and a lot will die. You know, it's just like the motor industry, when they know a car is faulty, they work out so, much, so many will die. Is it worth letting them carry on dying or and just pay out the lawsuits? Or is it or is it better to recall them if the lawsuits are going to be too many? This is how they work it out with vaccinations as well. But I'll put this article up tonight. And for those who are interested and want to know, you can find out for yourselves. It's, you can't get enough information on these things because, as I say, you're up against massive industries and lobbyists and, and paid liars as well. And believe you me, life is cheap when it comes to, to profit-making at the top. Life is awfully cheap. Uh, the U.S. Army faces the highest monthly total of suicides, it says here. This has been going up all the time, of course. But um, it said... Uh, the Army experienced a record 38 suicides in July. It was the highest monthly total since the service began releasing the figures in 2009. According to an Army report, 26 active duty soldiers and 12 Army National Guard or Army Reserve members were suspected of or confirmed to have died by suicide. The soldiers include a 21-year-old air traffic controller who shot himself in Fort Wainwright, Alaska Barracks, a 26-year-old captain who died at an indoor firing range in Virginia, and a 29-year-old sergeant who had deployed four times to Iraq and Afghanistan. Three soldiers died at their own hands in deployment, and 13 had deployed at least once, but nine had never seen combat, according to the Army. All were men, and three-fourths were in pay grades E3 through E5, whatever that is. The deaths bring the total number of suspected suicides to soldiers to 187 for the year, and 160 in active duty and 71 non-mobilized Guard Reserve members. The previous record for a single month was 33 in July 2011. An Army spokeswoman cautioned that the July 2012 figures have not been confirmed and could drop as death investigations conclude. That's, now, that's public relations. A spokesperson is a public relations person that spins the truth not to upset the public. And it says that Cephas doesn't rule a death as suicide till it's confirmed by the Armed Forces Medical Examiner. Uh, it's a piece of, uh, the pace of one suicide every 27 hours this year frustrates Army leadership, which has invested heavily in prevention programs and mental health treatment. And they're on so many drugs, it's just astonishing. 
The indicators of high-risk behavior such as drug use, suicide attempts, and accidental overdose continue to be a challenge, etc., etc. As these guys make a career of it and they, they keep getting deployed and they can't keep up with it. It does strange things to the, to the minds when you're, you're doing all of that. Plus you're on all these drugs, as I say. Tonight, too, I'll put up an article. It's from Turkey to do with the U.S. and Turkey's alliance right now, the strange alliance they have as they look at going after Syria and Iran and other countries. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix and this uh, article from Turkey it talks about the ongoing war in Syria and elsewhere. And it says, according to statements made following U.S. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton's visit to Turkey, the two countries will work together on the Syria issue as regards intelligence and plans for any military invention, intervention. It's natural that providing the intelligence that will shape future plans will take a long time. The military, political, diplomatic and humanitarian improvements mean that it's possible to create various uh, intervention options. In other words, the generals and intelligence officers of both countries have deduced from the paper war in Syria that the time for its end cannot yet be predicted. This is how they speak in a translation, it says. But um, it gives the reasons why, why the, U- the U.S. is keeping it kind of covert, their aid, etc., because they're giving aid to Turkey and, and uh, to the rebels as well. And, of course, that's not hitting the mainstream papers here, but they're giving helicopters to Turkey and other ones, you know, like war helicopters and various other things. So there's a, a definite alliance there, too. And Turkey's also benefiting because they gave, I think, an airstrip to Israel in case they want to eventually invade uh, Iran. So... Uh, eventually it'll come out in the wash when they actually use all these things and we'll, we'll make it some truth of what's really happening then. And also, the big boy, we live in such a, a corrupt society. It's, it's corrupt from the top, as we've all known, but when you get into money and managing money, there's nothing more corrupt than, than that. It's always been that way for thousands of years. It always will be, too. And those who get the power to manage money always profit mightily off it. They don't do by hard work like you do, but they manage the money and they push the pencils and they fudge figures and they profit mightily. They all know this. Even Rothschild talks about it. He says those that understood this big con of money management, he said, will be those who eventually work in that field of managing money. So they're not going to blow the whistle on it. They'll they be profiting so well from it themselves. So money is always a scam, and managing it definitely is a scam. But as representatives from the Democratic Minority in the Committee on Oversight and Government Reform in the U.S. House of Representatives, Elijah Cummings and Henry Waxman, have revealed details of a legislative investigation to the retail giant Walmart, which could prove a tax evasion and money laundering. This, is, uh, this has been going on for a while with them, actually. This is in a letter to the company on August 14th, it says, Elijah Cummings gave the latest details of the investigation. We've obtained internal company documents, including internal audit reports, suggesting that Walmart could have had problems not only of bribery, but also of questionable financial behavior, including tax evasion and money laundering, said the legislators in a letter addressed to Michael Juke, the executive chairman of Walmart. 
The New York Times revealed that Walmart's execs had previously decided to throw out their internal investigation, which they'd been hiding since 2005, when they learned that the paper's journalists were digging into the miraculous success of Walmart in Mexico. The systematic bribery by lawyers close to the company targeted mayors, city planners, and bureaucrats responsible for issuing building permits, ultimately succeeded in expanding the company, which now has 2,000 stores throughout the country and over 200,000 employees. Although the company has insisted that it is cooperating with the Department of Justice, Cummings and Waxman feel that Walmart representatives have proven to be uncooperative with the pending investigation. Although you have stated, it says that you have tried to cooperate with our investigation, you've been unable to provide the requested documents, and we still do not have any access to key witnesses, Cummings and Waxman stated. But that's what they call in big business, the cost of doing business is all bribery, and, and so on and so on. And I'll probably end up dragging on for years and going nowhere, because they're too powerful. Everyone will know from mainstream, of course, that the South African police opened fire on thousands of striking miners and it killed about 30-odd people. And it says, but it says, um, the South African police opened fire at striking miners at the Maracana Platinum Mine, killing at least 30 protesters. The incident became the bloodiest industrial dispute in South Africa in the 20 years since the end of the country's apartheid regime. South African Minister of Police, Nathy uh, Mithwetha, uh, confirmed the death toll. A lot of people were injured and numbers keeps going up. They occurred after police attempted to lay down barricades of barbed wire, were outflanked by a crowd of 3,000 demonstrators armed with machetes and spears. Nine people were killed prior to Thursday's clashes in a wave of protest in the mining town, located 100 kilometers northwest of Johannesburg. The platinum mine owned by Lonman PLC has been the focused, uh, focal point of strikes and violence since last Thursday, stemming from wage disputes. It's an old story. It's happened in every country before. And they generally, that's how Rock, uh, Rockefeller really did it too, when he, his granddaddy did it, when he turned the militia loose on strike miners who were living in tents at the time and gunned lots of them down. And then they made him into a great philanthropist. And we made him total makeover, of course. And now he runs the country through philanthropy and uh, international lobbying. And plus, of course, uh, the Royal of International Affairs, CFR, etc., that he helps run. And another article on it, too, from the, from the Telegraph. I'll put that one up as well. Uh, that uh, shows you uh, what happened. It's got some video there for those who like to see folk getting shot down. And it seems to be all the rage these days because folk are kind of immune to it. There's no real effect on them. Last night I just touched on something before I went off, and it was about genetically engineering ethical babies is a moral obligation, says Oxford professor. Genetically screening your offspring to make them better people is just responsible parenting, he says. And it says... um, Professor Julian Savalescu said the creating, the creating of uh, so-called designer babies could be considered a moral obligation as it makes them grow up into ethically better children. Now, you better understand that this stuff was talked about as far back as the 1920s. And Russell, Bertrand Russell and others talked about it. They said that eventually governments couldn't help. They were so tempted to, to force this kind of thing into play when the science became available. Uh, then they could take out what they call bad traits. Now, government will decide what bad traits are, of course. And that means they'll be very obedient, very happy, content with very little, and efficient. That's what they mean by that.
and in fact that first article I read from the so-called young conservatives bashing the British people, um, they, would, they would go ahead with that, no problem at all. They're all ready for it now, you understand. So it says, um, the expert in practical ethics said that we should actively give parents a choice to screen out personality flaws. Now, what's a personality flaw? Well, the elite would say someone who causes problems in society. Now, that could also be you as a leader of a group, for instance, or even the head of a, a, a union or whatever it happens to be. Um, that's what they could mean by a personality flaw. Why, why are not you content like the rest of them? And it says in their children's, it meant they were less likely to harm themselves and others. The academic, who is also editor-in-chief of the Journal of Medical Ethics, made his comments in an article in the latest edition of Reader's Digest. Now, that's a high enough position, right? The editor-in-chief of the Journal of Medical Ethics. They're also bioethicists. That's another the new term for, term for eugenics. He explained that we are now in the middle of a genetic revolution and that a low of screening uh, that, uh, that although screening uh, for all but few conditions remained illegal, it should be welcomed, he says. And he says uh, he said that the science is increasingly discovering that genes have a significant influence on personality, with certain genetic markers and embryo suggesting future characteristics. By screening and screening out certain genes and embryos, it should be possible to influence how a child turns out. In the end, he said that rational design would help lead to a better, more intelligent, and less violent society in the future. Do you understand that when you read Charles Galton's, uh, Darwin's book, in The Next Million Years, who, remember he himself was a physicist and related to, to Charles Darwin, uh, but he worked on the Manhattan Project to, to make atom bombs to kill people. He said himself that uh, we, the, the, the elites, the ruling class, he says, the dominant minority, he says we must not alter ourselves. We'll need those abilities to be a bit paranoid at times for fight or flight and survival since we'll be running the world and steering the direction of the world. But they'll change everyone below them to be obedient and happy. You see? So here it is, all those years later. You know. So he says... Um, Sometimes you have to be violent. Someone's going to kill you. What are you going to do? Stand and take it. Doesn't matter who's doing the killing. We've seen enough of that during the 20th century with mass slaughter by governments on their own people and others. It says, surely trying to ensure that your children have the best or a good enough opportunity for a great life is responsible parenting, he said. So where genetic selection aims to bring out a trait that clearly benefits an individual and society, we should allow parents the choice. To do otherwise is to consign uh, those who would come after us to the ball and chain of our squeamishness and irrationality. So if you don't do it, you're irrational, you see. Mm-hmm. Indeed, when it comes to screening out personality flaws, such as potential alcoholism, the potential doesn't mean you're going to end up being an alcoholic or anything else. Psychopathy, but they can't, they can't even find out the, the genetic markers for psychopathy. And disposition to violence, you could argue that people have a moral obligation to select ethically better children. Now you better understand that those at the top who run your, 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 your countries uh, are the psychopaths. That's the ones who get up there. And, uh, and the, the, uh, these are the guys who take you to wars. These are the guys who will rob you blind through your treasuries, etc. These are the psychopaths, because psychopaths tend to succeed in the society which actually they created. So, it's quite amazing. And when it comes to screening up personality flaws, such as potential alcoholism and so on, you, you can select ethically better children. 
They are, after all, less likely to harm themselves and others. If we get the power to intervene in the, in the nature of our offspring rather than consign them to the natural lottery, then we should, he says. He said that we, should, we already routinely screen embryos for, and fetuses for conditions such as cystic fibrosis and Down syndrome, and couples can test embryos for inherited bowel and breast cancer genes. Rational design is just a natural extension of this, he said. He said that unlike the eugenics movements which fell out of favour when it was adopted by the Nazis, the system would be voluntary and allow parents to choose the characteristics of their children. We're routinely screening our embryos and feces for conditions. Well, it goes on again about why they, why they abort them all. Remember, a lot of those ones for Down syndrome end up not being Down syndrome at all. And they never talk about uh, that, that particular um, the faction of them. What's more, it says... Few people protested that decisions in the mid-2000s to allow couples to test embryos for inherited bowel and breast cancer genes, and this pushes us uh, a lot closer to creating designer humans. You've got to understand, too, a lot of what they tell you is, is, is bunkum, because they can't predict uh, if you're going to get the breast cancer gene at all. Not only that, with so many people taking artificial hormones to prevent births, uh, these also affect you as well. They've got a greater bearing on anything. But they, they like to, to tell you that everything they're telling you is absolute fact, you see. This is how they always put these things across. Whether like it or not, the future of humanity is in our hands now. Now, who's our hands? It's not your hands. It's their hands, right? Rather than fearing genetics, we should embrace it. We can do better than chance, he says. And the full article link I'll put up tonight, too, they put up in the Reader's Digest for Joe Average. That's, what the, that's for the Reader's Digest. That's what uh, Regan used to read, apparently. It says here, suicides in Greece rise by a third as financial crisis takes its toll. And we hear all these news, and it doesn't really affect us because it's always so far away. And, you know, until you understand what's going on worldwide here, you won't understand what's happening in your own country and what you're getting ready for within your own countries. Because every country is gearing up for the same austerity. It's it's a must-be plan. I've said that, the global austerity, and you're part of the globe, you see, as to head everyone, global austerity. As you're post-democratic, they said at the Club of Rome. Uh, you're post-consumer at the Club of Rome. And you're under authoritarian societies now. And, and that's why things are just getting rammed down your throats. Through laws, law after law after law. And you have to get into austerity as well. They won't hit the U.S. as hard as the rest until they've finished all the wars that they've got planned for them. Once they've done that, they'll, be, they'll, they'll flatten them. Guarantee you, folks, it's going to happen. That's the plan. But it says, um, the suicide rate is skyrocketing increases economic catastrophe engulfing the nation shows no signs of letting up. A sun-kissed land with uh, once the lowest recorded suicide rates in Europe, Greece has seen a huge spike in people taking their own lives. Uh, experts believe that not all suicides are a result of depression. Some are ending it all in an act of ultimate political protest. And probably because there's, there's nothing, there's no future. More than 2,500 people have taken their own lives since 2010. So this is the number for confirmed suicides. We think the real number is much higher, said psychiatrist Dimitrios Bukaras. He means a psychiatric hotline. He runs a a psychiatric hotline, rings off the hook every day, he says. So he deals with it. Greece is headed for an autumn bankruptcy unless it does more to, to rein in spending and release fresh IMF funds worth 40 billion euros. Saw 50 deaths and a further 350 suicide attempts in the capital, Athens, in June alone. It says deaths are rising across the country, 
and on the numerous islands that surround uh, Greece. So remember that was always a plan uh, that quickly went through with the Council on Foreign Relations from their own history books and their own records. They keep their own history books. They have a different, different version of history than the one you get. And he said that, uh, that the IMF has to come up to its proper position to rule, help rule the, rule the world through finances. And it will itself be under the Bank for International Settlements in Switzerland. So this is all part of the plan is to cause massive crisis, bring into austerity, the central banks coalesce and they go under the Bank for International Settlements. The IMF becomes the heavy and they go around and collect all the debts. And that's to be the way from now on for the world, basically. And this is from a, an article from the Washington Times. It says, the executive branch porn problem. Uh, Alan W. Dulles, former director of the Central Intelligence Agency, wrote in the craft of intelligence, sex and hard-headed intelligence operations rarely mix well. That's why they used it a lot. That's what they're also using your culture to bring you down, by the way. But it says that this past week, the Pentagon's Missile Defense Agency warned its staff not to view porn on U.S. government computers. The Pentagon also released a report on April's Secret Service, a Colombian scandal. It says the two are connected. In April, it said that the Colombian scandal exposed a national security problem, the epidemic of U.S. government employees viewing pornography, child pornography on government networks. It was suggested that um, Transport Secretary Administration's U.S. State Department, Pentagon Immigration and Customs Enforcement, and child porn into Google's search field to understand the scope that their author neglected to include Missile Defense Agency. So Bloomberg quotes a cybersecurity expert saying the Missile Defense Agency's use of porn is concerning because many porno- uh, pornographic websites are infected. That's the reason they want you to stop, because you get viruses. And criminals and foreign intelligence services such as Russia use them to gain access and harvest data. So they're not boring about the fact they're watching child porn. It's just because they make infect the computers. And it says, um, it says the only possible response is duh. That's what it says here in the Washington uh, Times. In 2006, the deputy press secretary for the Department of Homeland Security was arrested for trying to seduce online someone he thought was a teenage girl. Four years later, the Securities and Exchange Commission found that 17 of 31 employees caught access in porn at work since 2008. Uh, one for every eight hours a day were senior staff. In 2010, the Boston Globe reported that senior Pentagon staff were downloading child pornography. Instead of, of generating a media storm, the story died. Senior staff were watching the sexual torture of small children on Pentagon computers. That's the run. These guys are on your military, folks. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, we're back cutting through the Matrix reading article. It's quite interesting about, uh, uh, from the Washington Times about the various defense agencies watching child pornography. It seems okay that uh, they do it, it's just that they don't want the computers infected from Russia or wherever. And again, that's a sign of the times, isn't it? Because there's nothing wrong anymore, it's all moral relativism. And, uh, and it says here that America's most professional security officials from the Secret Service to the Missile Defense Agency seem eager to discredit themselves. Russians must be celebrating uh, during the Cold War they had to train and deploy real female agents. Today, Americans come freely to honeypots directly from the Pentagon's missile defense system. 
And he says, how does it relate to President Obama's leadership problem? The Columbia scandal was the president's wake-up call. The White House needed to order an in-depth and urgent investigation into pornography, child porn, and prostitution in all its government agencies. Mr. Obama did no such thing. Now America's Missile Defense Agency may be exposing the core of our national security. So grave and unpatriotic is this violation and might border on treason. Yet Mr. Obama remains unconcerned. Members of Congress are so alarmed by the president's behavior, they recently passed an amendment preventing the administration from sharing missile defense technology with Russia. The Missile Defense Agency may have done so already. And um, Thomas Jefferson once said that he feared for his country when he reflected that God was just. I too fear for my country. No one is home in the Obama White House, and the Russians know this. Alan Dulles must be rolling in his grave, and Americans should be extremely concerned. But it's just amazing, as I say, the comment doesn't say anything nasty about child pornography or, or, or watching watching that. It's just the fact they don't want their computers to be infected. That's a sign of the times, isn't it? I mean, everything's, see, morality and, and values are constantly altered by those who control you uh, into any direction that they want to go into. And uh, you see the effects of it all the time. Now, some people using drugs uh, across Europe and, and Britain too, and although it's part of Europe, but it used to be separate. But now it's drug user with anthrax infection dies in Lancashire, England. Anthrax. So it says um, um, a drug user has died in a Lancashire hospital after being infected with anthrax, the health agency says. It's understood the victim is a man from northwest England, and the HP said the death happened in Blackpool and the person had injected drugs. It's the eighth case recently reported in several European countries. It said heroin or a contaminated cutting agent mixed with it was likely the source of infection. But the HPA said it was unclear where the case in Blackpool and another case in Lancashire and Scotland, which were confirmed at the end of July, were linked to the European outbreak. Now, that would have to, I'd imagine they'd have to somehow keep these, to have live anthrax in it, uh, at a certain temperature or something to, to, and spread the stuff across the countries to have it take effect and give you anthrax. It says HP staff are visiting drug treatment centers to make people aware of the risks. And, uh, there's further cases likely. That's a good way of getting rid of them. I mean, who knows if this is what they're doing at the top, getting rid of them, you know, just killing them off. Dr. Dillis Morgan, an expert at the HP, said it's likely that further cases amongst the PWID, people who inject drugs, will be identified as part of the ongoing outbreak in EU countries. It's an acute bacterial infection most commonly found in hoofed animals, such as cattle, sheep, and goats, it says here. So it's a warning for those who are still taking the stuff. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you.